Hey everybody, welcome to the Canada Fans World Junior Podcast. My name is Bryn Griffiths and joining us from Azucan is Paul Almeida. How are you doing today? Good, how are you, Bryn? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, I'm not doing so great. I'm a little bummed out with what's happened with the World Juniors this year and I know I'm not the only one in that area, Paul. No, I think there's a lot of uh, people that are disappointed, uh, you know, primarily the players, the coaches, the staff, the organizers. Um, I would also think that a lot of people that came into Edmonton to watch the uh, tournament and unfortunately uh, weren't able to get to any games. It's really hard to comprehend what has happened here inside the last week simply because it's never happened before. I don't even know where to start, but where do you want to start? Well, let's talk first about the games that were played. Sure. Uh, um, you know, Canada won the first game 6-3, to three, and uh, Owen Power scored the hat-trick and looked every bit the first round overall or the first overall pick for the Buffalo Sabres that we all expected him to be. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a great player in the NHL. I mean, he could have been in the NHL this year, decided to go back to Michigan because that team's got a chance to win the NCAA championship this year. Um, I'd be interested to see if Owen Power ends up on the Olympic team. If there is an Olympic team going to China, uh, he played in the world championships last year for Canada and played very well, played quite a few minutes. So there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't be one of the guys that might be asked to go. Uh, whether he leaves Michigan, again, a team that's going for a national championship, that's another story. Uh, then Canada came back and as expected, they beat Austria 11-2. to And the big story in that game, of course, is Connor Bedard, who scored four goals and is the consensus number one draft pick not this year but in 2023 believe it or not and uh, how did he do when he went back to Regina after the tournament Bryn? well four goals against my beloved Moose Jaw Warriors <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome. good for him good for the kid and and you know what just seems to have his head on his shoulders but another one of these young guys who you know everybody's been watching for a very very long time who's already ahead of his years yeah, and he's, like I said, the consensus number one pick in 2023, along with uh, Matvey Michkov, who, you know, we have to say, had three goals in the tournament in two games and looked every bit as a, a potential number one overall pick as well. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the uh, dynamic between the two of them plays out. They're probably going to get another ch- crack at a World uh, Junior Championship next year and uh, see uh, who becomes the first overall pick in 2023. I also feel bad for the players who are in the mix for the draft in 2022. Now, scouts are going to see them all year long, so it's really not for them. It's more for the fans and really the NHL hockey fan who is interested in the World Juniors to see some of the guys that potentially – might land for their hockey teams. That's a great point because uh, I had a chance to talk to an NHL uh, scout from down east, and he said, "Look, well, the old world juniors for us. It just we already have these kids on a list. We know exactly what they can do. All it does is it just puts an exclamation mark on any of them, and maybe it gives us food for thought on well, maybe there's something not quite there that we didn't see before because the." The competition level is so intense at this event. And uh, the other thing, too, when you're representing your country, there's no pressure if you're playing for Canada, right? Yeah, well, uh, Shane Wright is the you know number one uh, consensus pick for this coming year's draft. And he got off to a slow start, only one assist. But you could see the guy's a quality player. You saw at the U18s, you know, again, the World Junior is not going to make or break a guy like that. He's going to be a top 
three pick for sure. Yeah. If not the first overall pick. And the guy that might have, you know, jumped a bit higher would have been Brad Lambert from Finland, mm-hmm. who got off to a great start, you know, going uh, one goal, four assists, five points in Finland's first two games. And uh, for a guy like that, I kind of feel for him because, again, uh, here's a player that plays overseas. And uh, for some of the Canadian scouts or some of the Canadian fans, that might be the only opportunity we get to see him. Well, trust me, scouts will find him. If they liked, if they, if they, I know, if they liked what they saw at the World Juniors, you know that they'll double up or triple up the intensity level to uh, see what he's doing overseas. So there's that. Uh, Any other players that caught your attention? Well, uh, those in particular were outstanding to me. Like Brad Lambert, to me, stand out, stood out, you know, quite a bit. And uh, uh, of course, Connor Bedard, McTavish for Canada. I thought. His first three, four shifts, I thought, oh, my God, this guy's a a man playing against boys here. And uh, he looked very strong uh, for Canada. Perfetti also looked very good for Canada. Again. Canada's had a very deep roster. And let's face it, between Canada, the United States, probably Sweden and Finland, uh, Russia, again, hot and cold. we've, We've seen Russia in tournaments, Bryn, where they don't look very good. They look great. And then you never know in the end what you're going to get. Uh, we're all in Czech Republic when they crushed Canada in the round oh, yeah. game, and we were all, oh my oh, God, boy. what happened? Yeah. And then you saw the result in the gold medal game. So uh, the, the one player in Russia that absolutely baffles me is that Askarov, the goaltender. I was just going to bring it up. But, so but, here, but here's the other thing, though, Paul, and we've talked about this enough, not just over the last couple of World Juniors, but basically the last 10 for sure with goaltending is such a huge part of this thing. Right. And so it really, it requires a little bit of momentum for the goaltenders to kind of come out and really stand out. So the first couple of games, they're okay. Maybe you have some questions, but the cream really does rise as the event, as the intensity level rises as the event. And we never, never got to that point this time around. We were able to see exactly which of the young new prospects in uh, in goal, we're uh, we're going to start to shine. We never got to that point. That, I feel a little cheated there. Yeah, and a big disappointment for me is we never got to see Kosa from the Oil Kings. Yeah, play for Canada, and I, you know, based on you know the first two games, I'm pretty sure he would have got the next one. That's what it sounded like. And I think if he would have played well, he might have kept the net, because you know as soon as a guy plays well, the coaches like to run him. And I think uh, you know the first two goaltenders who got to kick at the can, I thought they were okay, but they weren't. Super. There were nothing that in the back of your mind said, this is the guy we got to run him. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, unfortunately those are the things that happened. It looked good. The tournament got off to a good start. And then of course, on the 28th, the first uh, shoe started to fall. And that's when Switzerland against the United States, we heard that there were some positive cases on the United States and that Switzerland was uh, awarded the forfeit of one, nothing. And we thought, okay, maybe it's just a one-off. And then, of course, the next morning, that's when everything really fell apart. Uh, on the 29th morning, we found out that, uh, you know, Finland Czech Republic was also postponed. And uh, then that's when, you know, basically everything was shut down. My breakdown on this is real simple. Do I feel sorry for the kids? Yeah, I do. Because it's a great opportunity for them to shine, to have some fun, to represent their respective countries. So I feel sorry for them in that respect. You know who I really feel sorry for in this particular case is not the fans, but the volunteers who put so much time and effort into 
basically making one of these events so successful, let alone the opportunity that both Edmonton and Red Deer had to do it all over again because of what had happened the previous year. But I, I find it really kind of, uh, it's disappointing to me when people are running down the localized community effort. And uh, to me, that's the last place you should be looking if you're looking to say, well, you know what, they didn't do a good enough job of this. They didn't do a good enough job of that. I, I don't think that that's the place you should be looking. If you're going to be looking to blame anybody for everything that's happened here, you might want to take a look at how it was run by the International Ice Hockey Federation. Maybe Hockey Canada could have been a little bit better. But uh, the, the disappointing factor for me is that people started looking at the volunteers and the organizing communities. The other thing, too, people were looking at the hotel to blame in Red Deer because all of the initial episodes that came out came out of the Red Deer area. People were even wanting to try to track down. We talk about the wedding, the infamous yeah, yeah, wedding yeah. that went on. People said, we've got to find out who is getting married there. No, you don't. Who cares? No, Just let it go. It's, it's, we seem to be living in the society. We've got to blame somebody for something. And in this particular case, COVID's been around now for two years. We can't shake it. So uh, I, I don't think we need to be blaming too many people for what happened. It just happened. And let's make sure that it doesn't happen again next year when this thing moves over to Russia. Absolutely. I don't think you could blame the organizing committee here in Edmonton. I don't think you could blame the hotels or the wedding party. The wedding party's got nothing to do with it. I know. The booked their wedding and had their wedding it had nothing they could care less if there was hockey in that hotel at the time that's up to the organizing committee hockey Canada, or whoever when they booked the hotel and decided that yes we're willing to go into a hotel where there's going to be other guests and other events that's just the way it is unless you're willing to uh, buy out the entire hotel that's what's going to happen and uh, unfortunately you know there is no evidence as well Bryn that the people in the hotel were the ones that spread the variant Correct. to the news. A lot, so. of, a lot of assumptions are being made here. I, I, I tell you what, James Duthie was having a conversation with Bob McKenzie on the yes. TSN set. This came down a couple of hours after the cancellation of the event. I thought Bob summed it up beautifully. There's the micro look at the World Juniors has been canceled today, but this is this is a rolling story from from before all the way to now. And what it what it reinforces to me too, as we talk about this being a micro issue, is that this is a microcosm of what society is going to have to deal with in the days and weeks and months ahead. This variant is different than the Delta variant, different than the original one. Um, as I said off the top, there's two segments of extreme populations out there, and that is, this is nothing but a cold, just don't test anybody and let's live our lives and we're going to be fine. Well, that's all well and good, but if you look at the medical system, it might be collapsing, and it's already teetering because of everything everybody went through, and doctors and nurses got so fed up, and so many of them have quit and retired and, and said, that's it, and enough nonsense. Um, so there's that element on the extreme end, and then there's the other extreme says, the these are terrible times and we better all pull the blankets over our head and we better lock everything down until this thing goes away. Well, guess what? It isn't going away. And Omicron is different than Delta. So you see the NHL trying to figure its way out here. You see the CDC in the United States just reduce quarantine times to five days. Mm -hmm. Everybody is trying to figure out how to coexist because 
our mental health and our economy can't take a full lockdown, but our medical system can't take a, oh, you know what, just a cold, go ahead, don't even worry about it, don't even test anybody. There's something in between, but every day it changes, the target keeps changing because we don't have enough information yet on the variant. A fair and balanced assessment of the situation from Bob McKenzie. And Bob has been a great reporter and a great hockey insider for a very, very long time. I think he's absolutely correct with what he says. And we got to learn from what happened here and make sure that it doesn't happen next year in Russia, where there are a lot of questions involved, Paul. Well, there's a lot of questions in Russia. And I, you know, I did quite a bit of research before we came to the conclusion that going to Russia is probably not something we're going to do. And uh, part of it is approximately a third of the population is vaccinated in Russia. A third. But the the problem is as well that the vaccination that they're being given is one that is, you know, domestically manufactured by Russia. And there's a lack of, there's skepticism, uh, there's mistrust in the, the, the vaccine. So a lot of people aren't taking it. That's why they're at uh, approximately one third of the population that have gone ahead and gotten the vaccine. Uh, the other problem is uh, there seems to be a lack of transparency in terms of the number of cases and what is actually happening with their hospital system and what's happening with the virus in, in Russia. And uh, my biggest concern is If somebody in our party gets uh, ill and going to a hospital in Siberia, in Novosibirsk, uh, the language issue is always going to be a a big problem as well when it comes to treatment. And I also worry about what type of treatment that people are going to get if they're not taking the virus as seriously as they are in other parts of the world. So totally understandable why you've made the decision not to go to Russia. Hang on, i got to reach over. i got to get my phone here, Paul, because we do this every time. Every time we are doing a podcast, we do this, and we've been doing this for a year, and we always look to see, okay, we knew the event was coming up in Edmonton, so we know how, what the weather's like in Edmonton, but what would the weather be like if we were in Siberia, right? We've been doing that now for the longest time. So let me just check, because it is bone-chillingly cold today in Edmonton as we tape at minus 23. I don't know what it is with the wind chill. But if I take well, a look... We were in the minus 30s only days ago, Brent. Yes. So that uh, would have been during the tournament as well. What do you think the temperature the rest of this week is like in uh, Novosibirsk? Well, you know, I looked it up about a week ago and it was in the minus 10 range. Well, today it's a balmy minus 5. There you go. And uh, tomorrow the daytime high zero. And wow. then on Thursday, minus 11. But they're nowhere close to the bone-chilling temperatures that Western Canada has been receiving. So... I'm assuming now that we're done, we're not going to be doing this again. That would be the very last time we're going to be doing comparables with Siberia. But, you know, it was funny because last year when we were doing the podcast uh, during the World Juniors again uh, here in Edmonton, we were looking at those temperatures and it was the absolute reverse. Yeah. uh, Edmonton was in the minus 15 to 20 range and Novosibirsk was pushing minus 40 at the time. I remember that. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to need snowsuits and, uh, f- you know, the Russian fur hats for sure. And it's amazing how, you know, unpredictable the weather is in our two countries because, uh, as we know as Canadians, the weather can swing 20, 30 degrees uh, in a matter of days. So while we're all disappointed that Russia is a no go for us, we're very excited about Sweden coming up. And uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, basically, 
the tournament uh, is in Gothenburg in Sweden, which is on the west coast of Sweden. Uh, we've been there before with uh, an Oilers tour that we took over to watch the Oilers play uh, the opening game of the season against the New Jersey Devils in Gothenburg. It's a great city uh, right on the ocean, um, or North Sea, I guess it would be. And uh, we have all the information on the website that we can provide right now. So if you're interested in going, it's uh, azercan.net. And uh, you'll find the link to uh, World Junior 2024. And uh, we'll have more to come as we get more information. But basically, we have the uh, the information of what we're looking to do during the tournament. Right. Uh, as we get closer, we'll have more information on what we plan to do uh, before the tournament and maybe after the tournament uh, as well. And by November of 2022, uh, you know, God willing, um, we should have uh, inf- more information out and be ready to uh, send information out to people on our priority list. And people that went to Europe with us on previous World Junior Tours will get first opportunity, of course, to register before we offer it to other people on the priority list. And then after that will be uh, the general public. So the one good thing to remember, because I get this question all the time, Bryn, okay, is after the people that went before, get an opportunity to register. Do I go in order on the priority list? Okay. The remaining spots. We tried doing that last time and it did not work well. It took way too long to get through people. So what we're doing is as soon as the window closes for our past participants, right? It's open to anybody on the priority list to register at that time. Okay. Until we're sold out. Got to ask, with everything that's happened in Edmonton and Red Deer now over the last two, the fact we're not doing Russia in the one next year or this coming year, is that increasing the interest level for the Sweden one? I'm totally shocked, Bryn. Uh, since the World Juniors was cancelled, uh, we've been getting people every day registering on our priority list saying, hey, uh, there's two or three of us who are very interested in going to Sweden, put us on the list. And during the tournament, we had about 40 people uh, register to be on the priority list. So That was before the tournament was even canceled. Exactly. Wow. And then once it's canceled, we've been getting a couple every day, two, three every day. Okay. So uh, what's happening is a lot of people are looking and saying, hey, you know, I want to go watch a World Juniors. And the next one that is of interest to me is the one in Sweden. I want to get on the list quickly. Uh, so that when the time comes, I have the opportunity to register for the tournament. Um, I, I want to keep the number of people similar to what we took to the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, I don't want to be in the five, 600 range or something stupid like that. I still want it to be an event where I have the opportunity to say hello to everybody, to get to know people. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy about our World Junior Tours is that we have people that we've known uh, that have been on our tours numerous times, and we know them, they know us. I like that uh, that atmosphere. And uh, uh, I don't think it's going to take long for us to sell out the tournament. I'll put it to you that way. So if you are interested, or if you have friends that are interested, Be I ready. they get on the priority list. Yeah. I also suggest that they follow our uh, Facebook page, Azarkan Tours, because uh, we do send out uh, emails, but sometimes they go into... Uh, your uh, trash can, or they don't get uh, uh, on your regular email. So uh, for you not to miss anything, I do suggest following us 
on uh, Twitter and also following us on our Facebook page. Okay, so with no Russia coming up this year, does is there anything new coming out? Well, you know, Bryn. I know. That's why I'm bringing it up like this. We're not going to just sit around and do nothing. So Correct. Yes, we do have uh, our Europa Classical Sightseeing Tour. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Is this what I think it is? Are we, uh, is this a segue? Are this we segueing here? Segway. So, so we need the music? Are you ready? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Sorry, Paul, what's next? Well, that's our group Travel Europe uh, uh, music. Yes, it is. So yes, we have the Europa Classical Sightseeing Tour from September 10th to the 25th. Okay. And uh, we are going to Italy, Germany, Austria, Slovakia, and Hungary. And we had a little meeting here in Edmonton uh, before Christmas. And we already have 24 people registered for the tour. So the tour is 70% sold out. We're looking at taking uh, around 40, probably no more than 40, maybe probably even a bit less. And we've had a lot of interest. We have a lot of people that have contacted us saying, Paul, yes, I'm very interested in going. To reserve your spot on the tour, we need a $500 deposit. Um, we won't, uh, you know, commit anything until approximately two, two and a half months prior to make sure that everything is still okay for us to go. Okay. And so, but to secure a spot on the tour, you have to register and you have to put down that deposit. If we don't go, you get that deposit back. That's very simple. So, so we're going to see your smiling face on this trip, which is always exciting, but yes. who is going to be hosting this for you? Well, there's you. Oh yeah. And Marty Forbes. So uh, between the three of us, we'll make sure that everybody's having a good time. And, and uh, you know, with a small group like that, we'll have plenty of time to talk hockey, to talk world junior hockey, uh, to enjoy the tour. Uh, we're flying to Rome. First of all, we get to, you know, tour around ancient Rome, uh, walk around Imperial Rome, go to the Vatican. Uh, from there, we're going to Tuscany to the towns of Siena and San Gimignano, do some wine tasting, go to Florence, which is, you know, the city that basically spearheaded the Renaissance and uh, uh, do some sightseeing there. Uh, we're going to go to Bologna, uh, go to a uh, farm where they do uh, balsamic vinegar, go to a Ferrari museum. Uh, from there, go to Verona, where is the Romeo Juliet uh, area. Uh, where Shakespeare used uh, Verona as the backdrop to his story, Romeo and Juliet, and go to Venice. Who doesn't want to go to Venice? I'm with uh, you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Venice is a, you know, a great stop. Obviously, it's a world-famous city. Uh, from there, we're going to go up north, spend the day at Oktoberfest in Germany. Beautiful. Just a day. <laughs> we don't we don't want to lose people now will we be able to drag people to the next location from there on i'll refer to oktoberfest as game day <laughs> yeah we're, we'll make sure that we get everybody back on the bus and okay we're gonna go to Salzburg, uh, that evening so you'll be able to sleep on the bus sleep off whatever uh how many beers you had at oktoberfest okay uh, we'll get to salzburg we'll do a tour of salzburg uh, we're going to go to a castle just outside of Salzburg called Hohenwerfen. Uh, from there, we go to Vienna, and uh, we'll end the, the tour in Budapest, Hungary, which is a fantastic city as well, with a cruise, evening cruise on the Danube. Uh, I've done it before. Unbelievable way to end the tour. And then we fly back home uh, from Budapest on the 25th. 
I got to tell you, before we go too much further, I'm bringing my better half, Lori, on this trip. So will there be shopping? Yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for shopping Uh on this trip in Rome, uh, for sure in Venice, Florence, all the way through Uber. And so you better better have that credit card cleared off. Yeah. I'm sure Lori's going to want to, you know, load it up. Uh, I'm sure we will have a limit on that. So, so how does somebody get a hold of you? Same thing. How do they get a hold of you on that trip? Because that's going to be a good one coming up in September. Absolutely, the tour is going to is on our website already at azercan.net. You just scroll down onto our uh, tours that you can join, and you'll see it right there. Europa Classical. We also have a podcast there that you and I uh, put together a little while back, going over the tour day by day. So, to give you an idea of the activities that we're going to be enjoying uh, in Italy, in Germany, in Austria in uh, Slovakia and in uh, Hungary. Um, sorry, I forgot to mention, we're going to go to Bratislava in Slovakia, which oh, is yeah. something that uh, they don't think of, but it's a beautiful city. Um, but if you want to get on the tour, again, we're 70% sold with people with deposits. Again, you put down your $500 deposit. If we don't go, you get it back. So uh, it's a great opportunity, hopefully, for us to get back into traveling back to enjoying our lives, back to enjoying Europe. And the nice thing about it is we're going to be doing it with people that we enjoy and have been on previous tours with us, including the World Junior Tours. Okay, once again, the website. Let's wrap this baby up. Azarcan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net. Let your friends know. And uh, hopefully we can see you in September. Paul, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Brent. I love this music. 